Um, hello, welcome to the uh, first official podcast uh, of from Hypercraft. Uh, name to be determined. Uh, Jay, do you have any suggestions on a name? Hypertalk. Hypertalk. Okay. I'm feeling a little wound up today, so that's probably an accurate statement. Um, and I'm Logan Tanner. I'm the creative director here at Hypercraft, and our guest for today is. I'm Jay Williams. I'm the director of marine programs here at Hypercraft. Um, not only a well-dressed man, but a well-educated man and someone with some great experiences. And so we're going to see what he has to say about all things. <laughs> we're going to go deep. Deep cuts in this one. So, uh, so let's just get right to it, Jay. What brings you to Hypercraft? Passion. Um, I have been fighting for electric power and hybrid power in boating for 20 years. And it's really very cool to be able to finally put my money where my mouth is. Um, I, I've been looking at hybrid power in particular in the yacht industry forever. I felt like it's a really natural fit. And ever since the first Prius came out, I just kind of had this aha moment. And now, finally, I've got the opportunity to make something out of that. It's, it's pretty exciting. Cool. And what was it 20 years ago that clicked for you that made you think that that's what the future looked like? So I looked at what Toyota had done with the first Prius mm -hmm. uh, and their hybrid system. And I realized that there was a lot of applicability to, to yachting because on, on a large boat, and I, I was captain of boats from 40 feet to 100 feet, give or take. And uh, so, so the sort of your half pint super yacht category. And most of the time we're actually going slow and we're burning a lot of diesel. Uh, we're sitting overnight running a generator um, even at a dock in the Bahamas or down in the Caribbean but because there's not shore power, just to keep the beer cold and keep the people comfortable with the air conditioning. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it, was, it was really evident to me that there was a, a blockage in technology with batteries. But in the past five years, battery technology has finally accelerated to the point where we we're there. We, we're, we're able to do some things we weren't able to do before. Mm -hmm. um, in my previous position, I, I managed a shipyard and I took on a side project and we actually electrified a classic sailboat and built a business model around that. And um, that, was, that was right before Hypercraft craft snatched me up, you mm -hmm. know, but uh, it, it, it just, we're there and it's time to do these things. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. So I want to dive into your history because Every time I hear from you, talk to you, or hear about you, there's some new layer of the onion that gets unpeeled. And, uh, you know, I didn't know Jay was a pirate. That's crazy. Or, oh, what? He did what? Where? You know? So, um, yeah, I want to dig into that. But I had a question that I have immediately forgotten because I started talking about your career. Um, but uh, let's see. Well, let's talk about your career because I can't remember what I was going to say. Um, so you have a what I would consider to be a very interesting and diverse career. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just hearing stories about you around the office that are not actually true. Um, but in any case, the things that I've heard are pretty exciting. And even if they're 50% true, I think that's pretty cool. So talk us through your experience as a person and your career and just the kind of things that led you to where you are today and informed you know, what brought you to Hypercraft and where that passion comes from that you're talking about? Sure. Um, it's a thrill ride. I'm, I mean, it, it really was, it started in college. I, I grew up boating. I grew up sailing. Where, and, where was this at? Uh, first in Chicago. Okay. And then my family moved to Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, great, my, great my, boating. Yeah. My dad passed away and she, she had yeah. to move. And, you know, we'd already been sailors in Chicago. They were Chicago Yacht Club people. And 
you know, totally naturally, my mother bought a sailboat in Phoenix yeah. because that totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but there is actually surprisingly good sailing in Phoenix, and she bought this mid-sized trailerable sailboat, and I was I was seven, my brother was two, and we sailed. Um, and we ended up keeping the thing in, in San Diego for the summers to get us out of the heat. We'd spend weekends out there. So I grew up boating, mm -hmm. you know, out at Catalina Island, spearfishing and, and uh, hunting for abalone when you were still allowed to do those things, when there were still abalone. <laughs> um, but we, we just spent a lot of time on boats as, as a family. In college, I lived on that boat for a year at San Diego Mesa College, and then I went off to Northern Arizona University. And um, while I was at NAU, I discovered that I was a, a, a natural mechanic, that, that I, I really had a lot of problem-solving capabilities. And um, I ended up getting into air-cooled Volkswagens, and that's probably why I became a mechanic, because they're always broken. <laughs> but I went to work out of desperation for an air-cooled Volkswagen specialist up there in Flagstaff. And uh, we, they, they just basically gave me a tool cabinet so I could pay for my parts for my VW bus. And I ended up working for them off and on. And then I worked at the ski areas in, in lift mechanics and keeping uh, the, the machinery running. Mm -hmm. um, when I got out of school, I had a couple of degrees and just absolutely no detectable prospects. Like, absolutely none. I was the, the, this, this post-college hippie. And I didn't know what to do with myself. What were your degrees in? I have two completely non-engineering-centric degrees. I have a degree in communications uh -huh. and a degree in psychology. So I can figure out what you want to hear and say it to you. Mm -hmm. and, that, and, that's, and that's why Jay's been such a great partner to the marketing department here, because he knows how to <laughs> manipulate us and to yeah. tell us what we want to hear. It's, and Yeah, it's been yeah, good. It's been really, that's yeah. what you think. That's what I, yeah. It seems like it's going well, but that could be just what you want me but to do. That's think, part so. of the plan. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So uh, having nothing to do, I just decided I'd go up to Alaska and be a commercial fisherman. And the, the whole plan was go up there, get rich in a summer, write the great American novel, and sail off on a sailboat. Mm -hmm. I got through the go up there for a summer part, mm -hmm. and that, that, that's as far as I got with that. But um, worked on a purse saner. A, oh. a purse saner? It's a type of uh, commercial fishing boat that uses a net that goes in a circle between two boats okay. and it's uh -huh. got a drawstring at the bottom. You encircle a, a school of salmon and then you haul it in and put the poor surprise salmon in your fish hold for later canning. And um, I did that. that was, I was the engineer on the boat. My mechanical experience uh, got me hired mm -hmm. to do that. I was only up there for a summer, but it was really super intense and I loved it. I loved being at sea. Mm -hmm. um, we, we were partially subsistence while we were up there. We hunted, we, we fished in addition to catching the salmon. And it was an amazing experience. And cool. the, the boat was a piece of garbage built in 1947 <laughs> that was trying to kill us at yeah. all times. Yeah. It was like living with a caged tiger. And uh, I had to work around the clock trying to keep it afloat. So it's just like in the movies where, you know, it's kind of worse. squirting oil and you're putting your finger on it and wrapping tape around it. Very and, much yeah. so. Yeah, the captain at one yeah. point handed me 50 feet of lamp cord and told me to rewire all the electronics in the pilot mm. house with the, nice. the lamp cord. Pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was sick of that at the end of a summer. I smelled like fish and I was really tired. And I was doing my laundry in Craig, Alaska and saw an ad for this company in the Bahamas that looked like a dream. It was sailing and diving in the Bahamas. And so I called them and applied 
and uh, they hired me over the phone because I was working already as an engineer. And I, I cooked. I cooked a little bit in college, so I could also cook. Mm -hmm. And they they got so excited that they hired me over the phone. It's good they didn't send me. So, um, <laughs> were there any red flags for you getting hired over the phone? You know, you know, I just didn't care. Was this like, like a I, human trafficking? It, it, rains, any, it rains. You know, it rains 330 yeah. inches a year in Craig, uh -huh. and I was just I ready was to go. Really yeah. waterlogged, like yeah. seriously waterlogged. So, what I did is uh, I <laughs> flew out of Alaska at the end of the season, packed up my old VW bus, drove it to Miami, and got on this boat, this big sailboat. Big shout out to Blackbeard's Cruises. Uh, my alma mater. These, these folks had three big sailboats that took 20 passengers at a time. We had six crew and we'd shuttle between Miami and the Bahamas. That sounds amazing. And all the passengers would live on board for a week. Is it sailing? Sailing. Yeah. And I started out as an engineer and that is a place where you fix everything at sea. Those mm -hmm. boats run 330 days a year. Mm -hmm. And um, we had to fix everything. Mm -hmm. And their solutions are good. Like they really insist on quality and that's why they've been in business forever. And I ended up being there off and on for 15 years. Mm -hmm. uh, I moved on from engineer to first mate and then captain and had a great time. Uh, but I got to see a lot. I, I got to see a whole lot. You know, medevacs and sinking boats and fires and of all things pirates which are really still kind of a real deal mm -hmm. in, the, in the Caribbean. Uh, we played with sharks all the time. Um, we, uh, we did a weekly shark dive with our passengers, which was really good for tips. Awesome. And it, it was amazing. Um, as I got a little older, I started moving into yachts. Mm -hmm. I had all these skills and I had a captain's license and I could communicate. So uh, I started alternating. You know, I'd do six months at Blackbeard's and then I'd go work on a yacht for a while. And um, I did that, you know, until about 2018. I was working as a yacht captain. I had, I had stints doing other stuff. I worked as a yacht salesman, a broker, mm -hmm. um, for a while and in San Diego. And I had, a, I had a really good time with it. But overall, that job takes a, a heavy toll on your body and on your relationships. Mm -hmm. And um, in 2018, I had a, a, little, a little tasting incident with a shark mm. that um, you know, sort of changed my course. And to be clear, you were not tasting the shark. The shark was tasting you. That's correct. Okay. I'm certified delicious. Just to clarify for yeah. the audience. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was tasted about five times down my left arm. Dang. And, you know, something about laying in the bed of a pickup truck on Chub Key in the Bahamas, staring at the sky bleeding out that makes you uh, review your choices. Wow. That happens. See, I told you, there are some stories here. And we're just <laughs> scratching the surface with Chip. So. <laughs> Continue, please. So, um... That, that knocked me out. I was already at that point doing more project management and technical work okay. than I was actually operationally driving boats. Towards that end of my career, I had really picked up refit after refit. A refit's like a remodel mm -hmm. of a yacht. And I was recovering A remodel of just the drive of, system or of the whole the boat? The whole boat. Okay. In, in most cases. So I had just finished doing the, the boat I was on when I had that incident. I had just finished recovering it from being hit by lightning and catching on fire mm. while I was on board. Wow. Well, yeah, it's super awesome. And um, maybe I don't go on a boat with Jay. If you, <laughs> You're likely to survive. If you've got somewhere to go and there's sharks or lightning. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Or do you keep the experienced guy next to you or do you, you know, do you 
keep them at a distance because of all the stories, you know? <laughs> right. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure yeah. that out at some point. So. Right, right. Well, you figure it this way. You're actually mathematically protected. You're mathematically immune to being eaten by a shark around me. Because you've already yeah. experienced that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, the, the, the odds of me getting bitten by a shark were 1 in 11.5 million. So I was in much more danger from vending machines. That's pretty cool. And I got bit by a shark. So you, if you were with me on, in the water, yeah. your odds are astronomical against. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. That's so, fair. So, you, That's fair. so I'm actually a real aura of safety, okay. and you should just hold on to it. All right. That. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I can respect that. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. So uh, after that, I, I just started moving away from operations. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I let my license go, and I spent a few years managing shipyards mm -hmm. uh, in the Midwest. I wanted to get close to family. I have a bunch of family in the Midwest, mm -hmm. and um, you know, just sort of picked up the the baton with electric at my at my last gig in Chicago, and that led me here. And when you say you picked up the baton, what does that mean? Uh, what I did is I saw an old sailboat that we had that had been abandoned on the property mm -hmm. and thought, you know, we should really do an electric boat. Mm -hmm. And then I convinced the boss, sold him on the idea, got one of my guys involved, who was awesome, mm -hmm. and we tore the old powertrain out and fixed up the boat, went through the interior and the exterior over the winter, last, last winter, and put uh, an electric powertrain in it. Okay. And uh, you know, worked with a bunch of different companies to get it done. We showed it at the Chicago Tech Show, oh, the cool. Chicago Yacht Club, and uh, it worked great. I mean, we came right out of the box, hit all of our marks. Okay. And I was, I, I, in fact, by the time I was done with that project, I was already destined to come here. But mm -hmm. I really wanted to walk that across the finish line. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, cool. You know, that brings you up to date, more or less. Oh, that spawns so many questions for me. So. Um, so, so I think Hypercraft is so known by many people as you know automotive or you know on land, on track. We do a lot of racing. We do a lot of um, on road. We do. Um, we've done. We, 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 people know us for submarine things. Um, but can you tell our audience why you think marine is so important for this electrification? Uh, push that's coming right now? Absolutely. Uh, there are a bunch of really good reasons. The first one is that if you buy a vehicle and, and just drive it around, you're driving a vehicle with catalytic converters on it. And it's using a lot of technology to control its exhaust. On a yacht, that's not true at all. There are no catalytic converters on a yacht diesel engine. Hmm. These machines run around. I've driven yachts that burn 200 gallons an hour oh. at flank speed. 200 gallons wow. an hour. And, you know, these, these are the toys of the very wealthy. Mm -hmm. And they're amazing machines. They're very opulent. They're, they've been built by the best, the best people in the world. And I have a lot of respect for the crews who run these boats, mm -hmm. too. But the ecological cost of what we're doing out there, I mean, you're talking about as much fuel as a small town mm -hmm. in a day. Um, and also, you're releasing a great deal of pollutants. Mm -hmm. uh, we've moved away from two-stroke motors, but here's a number that, that really caught me a few years ago. I read that a two-stroke outboard motor emits more pollutants in 100 hours of operation than a new car does in 100,000 miles. Wow. And that just really hung on to me. That was a sticky one. Mm -hmm. And even with four strokes, you know, there, there are no emission controls. They try to do it from the front end with the new stuff. 
you know, they're using direct high pressure injection and trying to get a cleaner burn and it's working. They're not as smoky, but yeah. still these things are, are just uh, a mess. And we're also clinging on to some old ideas about the way things can work. Mm -hmm. The reality is we can achieve, just like we can with cars or airplanes or anything else, we can achieve the same performance or better using different means. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I am with it. Okay. So to, to the critics who would push back and say, well, there's just no way electric can compete with gas in the marine space, for whatever reason they might say, what would be your response to them saying that that's not a realistic... Let's have a ride on the Halibut. <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah. two weeks ago, went 31 miles an hour up and down a lake on a pontoon boat. Uh -huh. And we were absolutely running away from the chase boat that was trying to film uh -huh. us. It's, it was a lot like that Tesla moment when, uh -huh. when all of a sudden a Tesla was out accelerating a Bugatti Veyron yeah. at the drag strip. Yep. You know, we all watched that. Yeah. And the challenge with electric right now is range uh -huh. on pure electric. And really the boating industry is where automotive was 15 years ago, mm -hmm. where hybrid makes a lot of sense for anybody who wants to go distance or is worried about range. So. For your fisherman mm -hmm. who comes to me and says, well, I've got an Intrepid 35 with four outboards on the back of it. Why would I ever consider doing anything with electric? What I would tell them is this. Mm -hmm. You live out in New Jersey, you live in Barnegat, New Jersey, and you run that boat out to the Jersey Canyon 115 miles offshore to go marlin fishing. This is what you do for your fun. Mm -hmm. This is why you have this big, completely awesome boat that goes 40, 45 knots. When you're out there fishing, you're idling all four of those engines. Or maybe you've got a couple of them shut down. And you're sitting out there just idling, burning fuel, running along, trolling at five, seven miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're running a generator too, because you have a, a Seakeeper stabilizer inside that Intrepid. Um, and be, in order to have that, that Seakeeper gyro running, and your refrigerators and your beer cooler and your fish box and all that stuff, you have to have a generator. Mm -hmm. So you've got a, a generator buzzing under your feet. And this guy's got, on again, his completely rad boat, he's got a gasoline tank for his outboards and a diesel tank for his generator. Mm -hmm. There's a great deal of complexity around him supporting his presence 115 miles offshore. Mm -hmm. If he was on a hybrid boat, what would have happened is he would have arrived out there just as he would have normally, same fuel burn roughly getting out there. Um, but then when he shut down, he would have shut down with fully charged lithium batteries. Mm -hmm. And one engine would be turning via electric motor or two, just electric. Mm -hmm. His batteries would be running his Sea Keeper and his fish box and everything else. It's real quiet. So Jay, what is a good example of an application of the use of, of electric EV power in the marine industry then? Um, I'd like to talk about both all electric and about hybrid. Okay. Because they really operate in different use bands. Uh, all electric is very important to the industry as we see it today because a lot of lakes in Wisconsin, New Hampshire, Vermont, they're starting to shut themselves down to internal combustion engines. Mm -hmm. And consumers don't have a lot of options right now. Yeah. So we're looking at producing a product for that market. Well, for manufacturers of boats that serve that market. And it's something we're, we're very hard at work on. And really, that's the market. The disadvantage 
to all electric today is battery capacity and battery cost. Mm -hmm. It costs a lot of money to build really big batteries and to go a long way on a boat takes a lot of battery. Uh, it takes a lot of energy to put a boat up on plane and hold it up there on top of the water as it's traveling. And really that's where hybrid comes in. So I'd like to take you through a use case. Okay. The fastest growing marketplace in America for boats right now is outboard offshore fishing boats. More than anywhere else, the center console, the Palm Beach pickup truck. I think I'm working in the wrong industry if that's, uh, it's you know. Be it's becoming the right industry. I, I guess so, yeah. yeah. I, I want a console boat, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, a 25-foot twin-engine center console was a beast. Today, that's a little tiny boat. Mm -hmm. That center console market has moved up to 40, 50, 60 feet, and they're putting four, five, and six outboards on those boats. And what is the cost of a boat like that? Million dollars, 1.5, 2 million. Wow. So these are, these are high value boats, and they're taking a lot of market share from tr traditional cruising and sport fishing boats because they're faster, they're really comfortable on deck, and if you can afford a $2 million boat, you can also afford a hotel room. <laughs> and everybody's pretty much figured out exactly that, yeah. right? That if everybody gets a hotel room at night and you can go 50 miles an hour, get to the hotel room after fishing. That's awesome. So people mostly aren't, new boat buyers aren't really planning on anchoring out and sleeping on their boats as much. And these boats are very interesting. These things are absolute ocean thoroughbreds. They're very good at running at speed in tough conditions. So your standard owner of this boat, let's say around New Jersey or New York, let's say this guy lives in Barnegat Light, New Jersey, um, or keeps his boat there. He's got a, a, a quad engine, 45 foot center console. And what he does with it when he goes fishing is he goes out to the Jersey Canyon. It's the edge of the continental shelf. And he goes out there and he fishes for billfish, marlin, and sometimes tuna, but sailfish as well. That's where they live. And uh, he runs out there. So with your normal quad engine or five engine center console, he's gonna zip out there, burn a bunch of fuel, and then he's gonna idle around all day burning fuel. He's also, in addition to the gasoline those outboards are burning, he's also burning diesel fuel mm -hmm. because he has a generator on board. He has a Seakeeper gyro stabilizer on board. He's got cold fish boxes. He's got to keep that beer cold. Um, and he's keeping the interior of that boat air conditioned as well to keep it nice and dry. So he has two types of fuel on board. He has multiple systems to support this activity. And he's constantly making carbon monoxide and smoke all around himself. Mm -hmm. And that's really the downside to being out there with full internal combustion. If you put a hybrid boat into that mix, uh, outboards with hybrid power on them. So hybrid, hybrid gas motors. Or sorry, hybrid gas motors. Gas motors, so the mm -hmm. same four or five motor setup. Okay. Same four or five motor setup, yeah. looks very similar or exactly the same, but mm -hmm. they're hybrid. And a, a relatively large battery bank in that boat. Once he arrives out there, um, he'll, he'll get a little performance benefit out of those hybrids accelerating and stuff, but mm -hmm. once he's out there on the fishing grounds, that's when the magic starts to happen. Because all of a sudden, everything just shuts off. There's no generator. Mm -hmm. All those house systems are being fueled by that, that battery bank mm -hmm. that charged itself up getting out there. So it's real quiet. And then he's puttering along, and two of those outboards are pushing the boat along at trolling speeds using electricity. So it's silent, which is great for fishing, or near silent, mm -hmm. nothing silent in the yeah. water. The other three outboards are tra trailing their propellers. They're spinning from the boat's motion. And what are they doing? They're recharging that battery pack. They're recovering some of that lost energy 
and punching it back into the battery pack. He's able to be out there for a lot longer on station without worrying about his fuel capacity and about how his stuff is gonna run. There's no generator running. It also cuts his cost. Those, those five motors, they'll burn a lot of fuel. Mm -hmm. And then when it's time to come home, he throttles up, runs home at 45, 50 miles an hour, back, back into Barnegat, plugs it in at the dock and goes home. And that's just a huge benefit. That's mm -hmm. a game changer. And the number one use band for boats like this is exactly that. You jump in it in Miami and you go over to Bimini mm -hmm. or you drive down to the Keys. You jump in it and in, in Charleston and you go out to the Charleston Canyon, the same gig. In San Diego, it's Cortez Bank, the Channel Islands. You know, you go out to the fishing grounds yeah. all around the United States. And this category of boats is, is just growing so fast. Mm -hmm. so, so that's one of the places where we're really looking to serve. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and anybody like the, the trawler market where they run around slow a lot, trawlers are, are sort of long distance boats that run slow. Uh, and, and the sailboat market, they're 100% ready for it. Mm -hmm. uh, the sailboat market's really hungry for it. So there's, there's a lot of room for both hybrid and for pure electric in the marketplace. So I think you touched on this at some point through everything you just said, but can you speak directly to the performance benefits um, of that uh, hybrid electric setup and also to the experiential Benefits because you were you were a captain. You've worked on boats with with guests and things like that. High value people that want to have a good experience. Right. So speak to me about the performance again that the, that that crew or that captain's going to benefit from, and then also the experience of those you know that electric hybrid setup. So the the performance benefit that the captain is going to experience is very different from the performance benefit that the owner is going to experience. Mm -hmm. uh, the owner is going to feel harder acceleration. Mm -hmm. The boat's going to come out of the box harder. And in, in many cases, it'll go faster. I mean, we're working with Mila Yachts in Germany to build the world's fastest electric boat right now. Electric yacht. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a 50-foot boat. And um, so, so you can get more top speed, though just like the advent of jet engines, you don't get to go for very long. Mm -hmm. And that, that's kind of the downside. From a captain's perspective, from a professional's perspective, the idea of changing over the, the standard diesels in a yacht and the, the old school generator to electric and hybrid is amazing. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden you have entire systems of that boat that you're not having to maintain anymore. One of the categories that's just absolutely ready for full electric propulsion is sailing. And mm -hmm. this is another piece of magic because sailboats, when they're propelled by the wind, their propeller spins. Mm -hmm. You could buy for a race boat, you can buy a folding prop that prevents that. But if you're dragging your propeller, it spins. Mm -hmm. And the, the electric sailboat that I built in Chicago, we left the dock 20 miles south of Chicago, drove out of a river on power, put up the sails, turned off that electric motor and the prop freewheeled sailing 20 miles north, mm -hmm. drove up to Chicago Yacht Club, looked at the gauges, and we had a net zero power consumption. Wow. I arrived at the dock in Chicago with 100% charged batteries. That's amazing. After driving it 20 miles. Yeah. And th I think that's an area that could really revitalize sailboat manufacturer in the US and abroad. Mm -hmm. um, just that, that whole change, because everybody hates the, the diesel or gas engine in their sailboat. Mm -hmm. here's, a great, here's a great number. So if you own a sailboat in the Midwest, which means you winterize it and put it up for the winter, you spend about $3,000 a year to maintain that sailboat. 
the average boat there only runs their engine about 10 hours a year. Mm -hmm. So it's costing them $300 an hour to wow. operate that engine. Wow. You could buy a restored P-51 Mustang fighter jet from World War, or fighter, fighter prop plane from World War II and spend less than that per hour to operate it. It that's, is that's crazy to think absolutely about. nuts wow. how many dollars per hour people are spending on their boats. So people who have this use band of, like let's say a small lake in a place that's cold in the winter and you take the boat out of the water, electric makes all the sense in the world. It takes a massive amount of maintenance off of their plate mm -hmm. every year. Uh, we figured for the boat, for that sailboat installation we did, we, uh, we had about a seven year payback for the whole system just on maintenance costs. Really? Not wow. even taking fuel consumption into wow. account. Interesting. So what, what, so it, it, the way you're describing it, it sounds like this is a no brainer and it's, you know, already happening. So what is the obstacle right now that you're seeing or that from a technical perspective, you know, exists that's preventing this from taking off as much as, you know, it could be. Well, I think the obstacles break down into a couple of groups. Um, the first one is just simply public perception. Mm -hmm. About EV specifically? About EV specifically. Okay. I was at a party the other night and I told somebody where I worked. And he told me, he'd, he'd had a, maybe a beer or two, but he told me that there are no good electric vehicles because you can't run a cord out into the ocean. <laughs> and I just deflected, right? I don't yeah. want to get in an argument with a guy. Who's you hadn't had enough beers to I had, compete. I so. never have enough beers yeah, yeah, to yeah, compete yeah, with yeah, that guy. Yeah. So, you know, there, there is that public perception. And some of that is founded in, in fact, that the pure electric boats, if you ask them to go fast, at today's technological level, mm -hmm. don't have a very long range. Um, if you look at the reality of people's boat use, there, there are different use bands all over the world, mm -hmm. different ways boats are used. And there are areas, and I, I, I harp on the sailboats as a, as a fantastic example of an area where we're already ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, I sailed a 42-foot sailboat from St. Lucia all the way to Miami over five and a half months years wow. ago. It was, a, it was a cool trip. But I burned 11 gallons of diesel over that five and a half months. And you know what? My, I had a wind generator in my rigging and a solar panel, and I recovered energy when sailing. And this was wow. in 1999. So it, you know, 24 years ago, I was able to generate enough power using technology of the time mm -hmm to get every single thing I needed done and only run that engine to get in and out of the harbors and stuff, mm -hmm. and I only burned 12 gallons of diesel. Today, I wouldn't even need that diesel engine. Mm -hmm. All I would need is a, a nice lithium battery pack and a little little electric motor in that boat, yeah. and I'd be good to go. Interesting. Yeah. Man, I got so many questions, uh, but I know it uh, can't go forever, but... So, if you... If you, so you, you have built an electric sailboat. You have experience with that. You now work with us and you're seeing, you know, the big Mila yacht, you know, you're seeing Hullavai, you've ridden on that boat and gone up to speed. So for, for, for a company or an individual looking to electrify something marine, what, what, is your, what, what is your message to them? My message is look at the use case of your buyers. Look at how they're using their boats. Um, Look at what, what they prioritize. If you're a manufacturer of pontoon boats, for instance, you need to be talking to us really soon. 
because we're, we're ready to put up to around a 50 horse electric outboard on your boat. Um, if you're building boats for long range travel, uh, the, the big center console we talked about, um, we're in development on our hybrid system for, for outboards. If you're a manufacturer of diesel boats, we're also looking at that. We're at work on every aspect of this. So we have a solution for just about every use case. It's just about looking at the menu, just like going to a restaurant. You look at the menu and you pick out what suits you mm -hmm. and what suits your use case. Yeah. Could you teach my wife that? Because I feel like every time we go somewhere, she doesn't remember what she likes. And so she has to look at the whole menu and it turns into a thing. And then we end up just splitting and then she eats my food. and. So, so you want her to eat my food and stuff? I just want her to know what she wants to eat. Doesn't so, sound like a good yeah, deal for me. Yeah, probably not a good topic for the podcast. <laughs> anyway, so. Honey, I love you. I appreciate all that you do. Um, let's see. So uh, you obviously have new insights here at Hypercraft. Um, what is your what is your five year outlook for the industry based on where we're at right now and what you're seeing? What is the five year outlook for marine in the EV industry? So. That ball has already started rolling. Mm -hmm. um, there's one large diesel manufacturer that's rolled out a hybrid just in the past few months. Uh, it's Volvo. Mm -hmm. And where Volvo goes, so does the rest of the industry. They're really the, one of the biggest players in recreational marine diesel. I think we're going to see hybridization throughout the industry within five years. Mm -hmm. um, we're basically one battery breakthrough away from full electric being a really great choice for wake boats, tow boats. Mm -hmm. That's another area where I really think there's, there, there's ground to be made with hybrid. Um, there, there, there are a lot of opportunities. What I would like to see is I would like to see more and more pressure into the OEM space by electric, by us ideally, uh, for sailboats, mm -hmm. you know, boats that travel under their hull speed because that's where the efficiency of a boat moving through the water is. Mm -hmm. And that's very easy. That's shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah. Uh, once we get into the higher speed boats, you know, we really have to look at that range versus speed equation or look at hybrid. Yeah. But that's, that's changing. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's a great deal of research going on funded by big money and governments all over the world to get that next generation of batteries going. I, I think it was Toyota that just released information on their new battery a yep. couple of weeks ago. Solid state. Yep. Yep. And when somebody cracks that code, the internal combustion engine for boating is dead. Yeah. I think that's the key, when. It's not yeah. an if. It's, it's a foregone conclusion and it's coming quickly. <laughs> yeah, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like the space race, you know, everybody is, is on it. Yeah. And we're already here with the propulsion systems. And of course we build fantastic batteries here. We're limited to the yeah. existing technology. Yeah. So we can package a new battery technology and use it. Yeah. Um, and today, you know, we're, we're ready. We're standing here with the motors, the harnesses, the, the converters, the mm -hmm. inverters, and a fantastic engineering workforce to get this done. Yeah. I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize about EV in general is just, you know, they say, well, what kind of batteries do you use? And we say, well, it depends on what's your application, what are your needs, you know? And, you know, well, is it limited to this? And, well, it's not limited to anything, you know? Right. When the batteries change, the, when the battery cells change, the batteries that we build change, you know? The dimensions can remain the same. We can fill them with different things. And so it's, uh, it's almost like 
you know, being able to have, you know, a small motor and either put, you know, diesel or gas or race fuel in it, you know, we, we can change and, and adjust mm -hmm. things. Um, and uh, so you're, you, I was going to make a bunch of, you know, silly comments and ask a bunch of silly questions, but I'm actually so fascinated by what you're talking about that I just got sucked into it. So um, I, uh, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a lake person. Oh, excuse me. I, I'm, I'm a lake person. And, you know, my experiences with fishing um, or, you know, maybe boating on the lake and things like that. So, and I know that that's uh, somewhere that there's a hunger for that electric power to, to uh, you know, run quiet and, and things like that. So, um, Hypercraft started as a kind of a power sports and performance company. Um, and so, a lot of our brains are in the space of racing and uh, going fast and, you know, doing things, you know, better than gas. Um, but as we've grown and evolved as a company, we've discovered, you know, people like Jay that teach us these amazing things about marine and, you know, the appetites that these industries have for what we offer and why it works so well. And, you know, it blows my mind still that, you know, people, there's things that I hadn't even considered that, you know, talking about, you know, dragging a prop and recharging and things like that. There's so many uh, interesting you know, ways that this technology can uh, affect other parts of the industry. You know, what does that mean for, you know, off-road racing? What does that mean for aviation? You know, so uh, I think it's really fascinating. Um, and Jay, you're just, I wanted to just make it weird for you, but you're just so, so fascinating <laughs> to talk to. So, um, all right, final thoughts. What, what is your final thought? What do you want to say? What do you want to leave the, you know, multitude of listeners with as your final thought for, EV in general, EV and marine, and uh, the, the, the path for hypercraft and electrification. So for EV in general, um, I would say that we're, we're really there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I look at our, our Sierra car program. I look at the, the incursion of EVs into the UTV market, for instance, and I can just see, like for that market, it's just gonna take customer trust and acceptance mm -hmm. to get us there. Um, for marine, we're just on the on the precipice. You know, we've we've just now started. There really are very few players in this marketplace right mm -hmm. now, and we're one of the strongest. And we have a great program, but right now there's not a ton of competition. And I really want competition. I welcome competition because that's what drives these technological mm -hmm. leaps forward. Yeah. When Volvo released their hybrid, that was a real statement of faith mm -hmm. in, in the industry and where, where we're headed. Yeah. And I'm really proud to be part of this. Um, I've burned enough diesel for you know, 25 people my age. Yeah. And I'd, I'd like to burn no more. Mm -hmm. that, that's that's kind of how I feel about that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a good ending thought. Um, we're thankful again for Jay for talking with us. Um, if you have any questions about some of the things that were discussed, which was Hull of I, um, we, have, we can provide some information for that. You can find it on our website. What was the other one we talked about? Myla. Um, Myla Yachts. That one is a little bit uh, still undercover a little bit, but you can find stuff about Myla Yachts. We can link to that. What else would we discuss? Sierra Cars. Yeah, we do. Um, what else do we talk about? I think those are the only programs okay. we talked about. Okay. So there's a bunch of different stuff going on that, uh, that Jay discussed. You can find it on our website. We can link to it also. Um, and uh, yeah, Jay, thank you so much for unloading your amazing life experiences and knowledge. Um, I'm really glad we talked about your past because I think it really informs and validates your opinions and your perspective on where we're at and where we're going. So uh, it's really easy to say that electric's the future, but when you've done you know, 
everything that you've done, it's it's really means something to say that this is the future. So appreciate you uh, taking all the time to uh, work in Alaska and in the Bahamas and, and you know get all greasy so that you can come and help us uh, shape the future of Marine. It's very exciting stuff. So thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you. And we'll uh, see you guys next time on our podcast for Hypercraft, which we're still going to name soon. Thanks. Hypertalk. Hypertalk. That's right. <laughs>